Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. As women, we go through our lives hearing again and again that our bodies are supposed to look a certain way and be a certain size. But what if you're not that size? Most of us aren't and never will be. Today, we're talking about body positivity and women at the forefront of the movement who are finding ways to fight back. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today we're talking about body sizes, big and small, and loving all of them. Joining me on the panel today is Cosmopolitan.com's senior fitness and health, blah, 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 senior fitness and health editor, Liz Narens. Hi, Liz. Hi. Sorry, I just like stumbled right through your title there. That it happened. Things are off to a great start. <laughs> um, Liz, I think it's probably safe to say that on Cosmopolitan.com, overseeing all of our health and fitness coverage, you have probably written, oh, I don't know. 10 million articles <laughs> about um, the body positivity movement and in general sort of preaching this message of loving yourself and as and of body peace what what kinds of stories do you see readers in particular gravitating toward um, it's really interesting I think I mean I've been at Cosmo almost three years now and you're right I have written multi-million <laughs> stories um, that was the exact number <laughs> yeah. give, or, give or take yeah um, but when I first started uh, what was really resonating was was weight loss articles to be honest um, and people were really into embracing the change um, and then it evolved to kind of wanting not to be smaller but to be bigger particularly in the butt area mm-hmm and now it's really evolving into this body positive environment where people just really want to be told that they are normal and that definition of normal is not a size 0 or a size 2 or any size in particular it's it's not you know big small it's what you are and accepting what you are and i think the stories that are really resonating right now are the ones about women who are leading in this conversation, particularly on Instagram, um, by normalizing their their own bodies and putting, you know, images of themselves, uh, which do not conform to traditional norms, into the public light. And um, I think women just want to know that they're okay and it's okay to love yourself as you are it's some in some ways it's crazy and that was why we had to do this episode of the podcast but it's crazy that in 2017 like we've all you know there's always those statistics floating around that are like the average size of an american woman is a size 14 or like marilyn monroe is like a na 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 you know like that's yeah and then you're sizing yourself up to that and you're like Damn it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just like, it. right. Exactly. But, you know, in, in some ways, it is insane. We sort of all know that. We all look in the mirror every day. We look at the people around us. It's kind of insane that in 2017, it is so, in some ways, shocking still for. I don't even want to say shocking because that has negative connotation, but it is brave for these women to say, this is what I look like. And I think that's the reason there's been such a movement around this, because it's kind of unbelievable that in this day and age, we're still like, oh, yeah, we're actually going to acknowledge in a very public way that we don't all look like Blake Lively. 
It's exactly. I mean, it's this age of trans transparency, um, and yet women are so surprised and feel so supported by, you know, taking this transparency to, you know, putting your real self forward. And I, I just think that you know. I think that especially in this moment in the world right now where it feels like women are having less control over their bodies than ever, like this is a political statement. You know, even some of these and we're going to talk to a lot of women on the episode today, but, you know, even these women in the body positive community that sort of have these neutral messages, it is political. Like, it's political for a woman to post a picture of her body and say, like, I own this. I'm not ashamed of it. Like, I'm here and I, like, refuse to be sort of sidelined. I think that's really important. Exactly. Yeah. And in this environment where, you know, you still might not be able to go into any store and shop for your plus size jeans or bra or whatever it is, um, it's a way to really take back control. And I think that that in and of itself is in- extremely empowering. Absolutely. Well, Liz, you have done so much amazing work on this on the site. Um, you know, at one point in time or at various points in time, our body image vertical on Cosmo has been as popular as anything else on the site. And you guys all know that Cosmo writes a lot about sex. So <laughs> that says a lot. Um, and you know, I think that that is why it's so important that we are finally doing this on the podcast. Right. I'm really proud of our, our coverage, I think. I mean, I think you hear a lot about the media putting forth these images of unrealistic bodies. And I'm so proud to say that we're not doing that on Cosmo. And um, we are a body inclusive environment. So come to Cosmo and read all about our body positivity. <laughs> read all of Liz's work. Um, and so I think it's time for us to jump on the phone with some of our friends in the movement what do you think and by friends I mean we're actually I'm so excited and nervous you've heard me fangirling out about this all week but we're about to jump on the phone with Lindy West who I I know I know same her book is hilarious it It literally it makes lol so real so real so (laughs) real um so let's go ahead and give her a call Lindy West is a columnist at The Guardian, a contributor to This American Life, and a freelance writer whose work focuses on feminism, social justice, humor, and body image. She is taking a moment out of the book tour for her first book, a memoir called Shrill, which is out now, to join us on the Cosmo podcast today. Hi, Lindy. Hi. Um, Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Seattle, Washington. I'm sitting in my mother's kitchen. In your mother's kitchen. She's the only person I know with a landline. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And so does our producer who has to sound mix this. Um, Yeah, of course. I have to tell you, Lindy, I loved Shrill so much. It was my favorite, favorite, favorite book that I read last year. I, like, loved every page of it. And hilarious. It's so funny. It's so, um, I, like, have gushed about it to every person that works at Cosmo and to every of course most everyone at Cosmo has read it as well but just can't stop talking about it it's so funny it's so smart it's so like moving and emotional I just really loved it so so thank you for joining us today it's like so exciting to talk to you Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I'm so honored. And I, I, of course, am thrilled to talk to you. Yeah. And one more, like, gushy fangirl thing to say. And then I'm going to, like, ask you some real questions. But also on a totally unrelated to Shrill Note, I love your writing and have been a fan of you for a long time. But for some reason, I particularly just love to death your review of Titanic for Jezebel. (laughs) 
and my roommate and I just like every three months or whatever when we're like on a road trip we're like do you want to read Lindy like we read it out loud to each other it's so funny oh, thank you it's so I good I'm proud of that one myself I have to say it's so good so everyone who's listening right now um you need to all first of all buy Shrill read it you'll see what I'm talking about and also google Lindy West's Titanic review you will die laughing and read it aloud to everyone you know for the rest of your life and we just lost all of our listeners <laughs> Everyone's like, okay. Um, but now now I'm going to stop talking and let you talk. Um, Lindy, we're talking all about body positivity today on the podcast. And there are so many things I love in Shrill, but you have several chapters where you talk about your own journey and your own experiences being fat shamed. There's one chapter where you write about being on an airplane. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and why this was an important topic for you to include in your book? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I, I think there isn't uh, really anything more visceral uh, that, that defines the way that it, it feels to be alive than what our bodies look like and the way that other people regard our bodies and the assumptions that people make based on, on our bodies. Because our society has a really rigid, entrenched hierarchy of bodies that determines how we treat people um, and the rights and the dignity that we afford people. Uh, and that involves not just size and weight, but race um, and gender and uh, gender identity. Um, and so, you know, I just, I don't know how to write a memoir that's not about bodies, even if it's, if it's not explicitly about bodies. That's what, that's what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about these meat sacks that we ride around in <laughs> that, um, that people either abuse or um, or elevate or, um, you know, care for or disdain. And so, uh, you know, I think, so, you know, being fat was just one of the defining experiences of my life. And so it was natural for that to be the focus of the book. Um, but, you know, people, I think, tend to frame conversations about fatness and, and body positivity as a conversation about feelings. Mm. Um, you know, like, oh, um, Lindy West just wants people to stop hurting her feelings. Mm. Uh, and it's really, um, that's a, a really lazy and inaccurate reading. Um, you know, the conversation is about basic human rights. You know, it's about um, being able to access uh, employment and transportation and public life. You know, it's about being able to clothe yourself, express yourself, be taken seriously, uh, be treated fairly by the legal system, uh, by the medical system, you know, uh, fat people get measurably poorer care. Uh, fatness correlates with race and poverty and, you know, all of these economic issues. You know, it's a much more complicated story than, uh, oh, fat people are sad because they get made fun of on the Internet. Um, what we're talking about here are life and death issues. Um, and, and even something as seemingly frivolous as being able to buy clothes, you know, I'm sorry, I can't go to the store. I can't go to my local mall and buy a bra. I literally have been laughed at in a Nordstrom because I tried to go buy a bra and they don't carry my size. And they don't just not carry my size at Nordstrom. They didn't carry my size anywhere in the entire mall. And that is a barrier to me being able to go outside, you know, right. um, and if, you know, God forbid you need 
to go to a job interview suddenly and you don't have anything to wear, there are a lot of fat people who can't go buy clothes in any brick-and-mortar stores. That affects your ability to be a full participant in public life, to leave your house and to, um, you know, and I mean, to do all the things that fat people are supposed to be doing, like exercising and going to the grocery store and buying fresh veggies for your family. You know, uh, if you restrict fat people's uh, ability to live in these basic ways, dress yourself, ride on a train, ride on a plane, um, you know, uh, there's, if you live in a city that doesn't have public transit and you can't afford a car, um, what do you do, you know, when you're right. working three minimum wage jobs uh, and still living in poverty? What do you do? What do you actually do? And so, I, this has gotten really long-winded, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, all these conversations about whether or not we can hate fat people hard enough that they become thin, right. <laughs> hate fat people for their own good. It's not about fat people's own good at all. It's about bigotry. It's about um, not actually helping fat people lose weight, but forcing fat people into hiding so that thin people don't have to look at us anymore. Right. Um, and so, you know, these are really, really basic issues, basic, I think, human rights issues um, that affect every single person uh, in this country because we're all somewhere in this hierarchy. And thin people are terrified of losing their status, terrified of becoming fat because we treat fat people like garbage, uh, and fat people are treated like garbage. <laughs> so, and and I, think, um, I think it would be amazing for, I mean, for anyone to read your book, which is, of course, part of the, I mean, as always in your writing, is very like emotionally vulnerable at points, but it would be shocking to me that anyone would read your book and not understand that you are, are connecting <laughs> your own experience to this much larger conversation and this very political conversation and this very important conversation. So for people to read your book and say this is about your feelings is <laughs> absolutely missing the ludicrous. <laughs> missing the point. Um, yeah, I mean, they... Pr- the people who say that probably didn't actually bother to read the book. Right, right. It's usually, that's the sort of, I just read the headline kind of a argument. Right, you know? right, right. Oh my gosh. The, the amount of times that you must have to say, well, actually in the book or <laughs> right. in the book. Um, there's this one part in the book where you use the term emotional violence, which I think is a powerful term, and sort of talking about the way that our culture devalues marginalized groups to keep them feeling small and not to awkwardly quote you to you, but there's this part (laughs) where you say, you know, sort of talking about your response to that and this epiphany moment you had where you sort of decide you want to opt out of that system. So you say, what if my body didn't have to be a secret? What if I was wrong all along? What if this was all a magic trick and I could just decide I was valuable and it would be true? Why instead had I left that decision in the hands of strangers who hated me? I think that's so powerful, this moment where you sort of say, what if I decide that this narrative doesn't apply to me? And what if I decide that I'm the person who gets to control how I feel about my body? Can you kind of talk about coming to that epiphany? And also, like, does it work like that? Like, do you do you get to just make that decision? Which isn't to say I'm sure that it's always that simple and easy. But I felt reading that. And that's why I highlighted that phrase in my book and wanted to say it now. Such a power in you making that decision about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, it happened sort of slowly and all at once. You know, I, I think I had spent um, a couple years in my mid-20s kind of dipping my toe into 
the fatness conversation. Um, and at the time, the worst thing I could imagine was that this was going to be my body forever. I had to believe that I was a thin person who had failed temporarily. And at a certain point, I would figure out uh, the right combination of, of diet and exercise and shame and <laughs> punishment and uh, assume my real body. And so I, there were all these things in my life that were kind of on hold because I assumed that I would just, that, that either, it, you know, problems that I was putting off or ambitions that I was avoiding. You know, all, I, I sort of thought all of these things are things for thin Lindy to do, <laughs> whether it's, That's um, so real. you know, whether, whether it's get my, get my act together and start, I don't know, saving for retirement or whatever, or <laughs> whatever um, adults do, whatever adults do, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, uh, pushing ahead with my career and, um, you know, figuring out re- what I really want to do and striving for um, something bigger, you know, uh, I was waiting. And um, I just one day thought, you know, what if I'm fat forever? What if this is my body forever? Is this how I want to treat it? And is this like, am I just going to wait forever? <laughs> am I just going to wait and wait and wait and then die? <laughs> you know, like, we, you only get one life. Yeah. And I was in my mid-20s, uh, maybe 26 or so, 26 or 27, and I was like, um, okay, no, I don't, I don't want to wait. Um, I, that's, a, that's a terrible system. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to just sit here and sort of, you know, there's this thing when you, when you refuse to identify with a group. You know, I refuse to think of myself as a fat person. And so I would think of myself as a thin person who had failed, like I said. Mm. And that puts me in the, in the thin people group. And so then, you know, you, ha- you sort of nod along and laugh along with jokes about fat people because you're not really a fat person. You're just, like, going through a rough patch, a 20-year rough patch. Right. Um, and, and, and I just started to feel sick about it, you know. Because um, if, you're, if you're one of these good fat people who's who's trying to become a thin person then you're allowed to like hang out you know what i mean and you're right. sort of privy privy to the in-group conversations anyway i just started to feel sick about it and and i was working at a newspaper and and my boss at the time was posting a lot of um a, a lot of you know pretty uh, sarcastic kind of insulting stuff about the obesity epidemic and and I knew that there were fat people that read the paper who knew what I looked like, and I started to get comments like, how does it feel to know that your boss hates you because you're fat? And I, I just suddenly felt like I couldn't I – could, that was not sustainable. And I, and I had to reckon with the possibility that this was just my body and, and that I wanted – did I want to be the kind of person who fought for, you know, the – the dignity of of human beings or the kind of person who just tried to sort of ride the coattails of people who didn't respect me. So anyway, uh, I I was eventually done. (laughs) I was done with that and, and just sort of started to think, you know, when you spend a lot of time looking at pictures of different bodies, mm-hmm. and I write about this in the book, um, looking, just looking at pictures of fat people on the Internet, just even fat fashion blogs, which is where I started, it really, you start to lose your grip on um, beauty as an objective thing. Um, 
you start to get comfortable with different body shapes. You start to love the people that you're that you're looking at. You start to get to know their lives, and um, you it changes your brain. And once you start to do that, you. You, you know, you can really break down a human body and you can look at, I, I remember I would look at like the curve of a fat woman's stomach or her thigh or her hip. And I, and I would just look at this one individual curve and I would think, okay, why is this ugly? Like, why is, does this make me recoil? But right. the curve of her elbow is fine. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. Um, and once you do that, it gets really confusing <laughs> because it's not ugly. It's, it's the same. This is all just a system that we set up. And, and then you start to really go off the rails because then I'm like, well, what's fashion? I don't know. <laughs> and then you're hours deep in your, or weeks deep in your internet hole. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but, you know, it, it's, it's not actually, it was, that's where I, I started to feel like it was a magic trick. Like I was like, yeah. oh, this is just something that I've been taught. This is something that I've been indoctrinated into. And I really did feel like I flipped a switch in my brain kind of deliberately. And I thought, okay, what if I, what if I think this is beautiful? And it was like that, you know? Right. I'm so and, glad um, that you brought that up. Um, I speak to women all the time um, in the course of my work that say they found the body positivity movement on Instagram and it changed them and it sounds like this religious experience and I think the way you just broke it down is beautiful it's like when you just start opening your eyes to a little bit of size diversity it doesn't feel so bad to be stuck with the body you have you know what I mean yeah Um, and it's also like it's thrilling because it's actually really powerful like if you are a fat person who has the confidence to go outside in a crop top or in whatever thing you're not supposed to wear, that changes the people around you, you know? That changes the way that they think about themselves. Um, And and that started to become kind of addictive to me. Um, And in terms of whether or not it works, I mean, it certainly doesn't. You can't just decide that you're valuable and then society thinks that you're valuable. Right. Um, But it's definitely the first step. I mean, (laughs) you don't get anywhere by not demanding what you deserve, you know, not, uh, not asking and not communicating. And so the sooner you start saying, no, I, I refuse to be treated like this. I'm a human being. Uh, I have dignity and I have, um, you know, the, the same right to exist in public as anyone else without being harassed and tortured. Um, you know, that it's like people who are, uh, you know, kind people and thinking people, will will start to hear you and eventually eventually slowly 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 i think uh, our social conventions change and our um you know our uh, our shared values change and that starts with with people um not just asking not just asking for the for that dignity and humanity but really embodying it you know really like going out and moving around and um and I don't know. It, there, there is something about like fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> there is something mm-hmm. about about ex- exuding confidence, um, even if inside you're wavering a little bit or you're you're unsure, because it it changes the way that people react to you, uh, and it and it kind of I don't know. I think it's I think it 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 is really potent. Um, so I just try to be as 
as public and loud and colorful and visible as possible. Because uh, I know the effect that that had on me as right. a self-hating fat person. <laughs> and you, I would imagine that you've gotten a ton of feedback since the book came out. Can you talk about some of the, like, <laughs> I was going to say letters, which sounds so, like, crusty <laughs> in, like, 1995, but, like, <laughs> some of the feedback that you've heard from girls who have read this and who it's been so important to them? Yeah, I mean, I get emails every single day. Every single day. Um, because every single person, especially women, um, de- deal with this every day of their lives. There's either pressure to to stay thin or to become thin. And, you know, to, to release people from that duty, which I think, honestly, uh, is political. Um, I think that telling women that we have such narrow parameters um, and only one metric of value, which is physical conventional beauty, um, that impacts women's power because we're expected to spend all of our time working on this one project, devoting our lives to this one project, which is, um, you know, uh, only eating certain foods, uh, spending all your money on diet diet culture, beauty products, clothing, blah, 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 all these expenses that men aren't expected to take on. And, um, you know, competing with each other, uh, tearing other women down. Like, it's just this massive distraction that I think um, really, really saps our time and our money and our impact on the world. Mm-hmm. So um, that resonates, I've found, with, I mean, and not just women, you know, men suffer from body shame and pain too um and so you know i don't know the feedback's been really really moving it's been a a real honor to get to do this work and get to travel around the country and hear everyone's stories and um i just uh basically (laughs) what i've learned is that like every single person is in pain, basically. Um, <laughs> even the people who are even the people who are inflicting pain, they're yeah. doing it because they're in pain, you know. Yeah, and I think that's I think that that is a very bleak takeaway from all this, which I know isn't exactly <laughs> how you mean it, but in, no, but in some ways it's like it's sort of good to be reminded of that, and it makes what you're doing, which is being so honest about all of this, even more important. Um, well, Lindy, thank you so much. I could talk to you all day long. I fear that I spent too long, like awkwardly gushing about how much I love you. And then I cut into how many questions we got to ask you. But thank you so much for doing this. I have to ask, are you ever going to come back to Twitter or just no, it's gone forever? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I miss Twitter. Yeah, uh, I would love to come back. I just don't. If if Twitter bans Donald Trump, I'll come back. Okay, <laughs> where I'm at right now. <laughs> that sounds fair um, to me. <laughs> no, I mean you know it 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 depends. It depends if Twitter figures out how to fix their uh, garbage system yeah. so that it's not just a, a hate and uh, harassment machine. Yeah. Uh, sure. You know I, I really do miss it. I miss it as uh, it, it was my major or my main source of news. Yeah. Um, it was a way to sort of get the temperature of different news stories, uh, especially from perspectives that aren't reflected in mainstream media, and I mourn that loss. And it was also, like, fun, you know? Yeah. I really liked, I liked joking around on Twitter. Yeah. But uh, no plans in the immediate future. Fair but, enough, uh, I fair have, enough. I have a year to decide before they 
completely delete my account. So <laughs> okay, that so there is like a countdown there. Um, yeah. And since people can't follow you on Twitter, um, obviously they should go out and buy Shrill. Um, is there another place people can follow you or check you out if they want more from you? Yeah, uh, I have I have a website which is lindywest.net, and I'm also on Facebook. I have a public Facebook author page where I do interact with people. Sometimes, <laughs> although Facebook has its own set of issues, <laughs> but um, no. But I am on there. I post my articles. I post my tour dates. Um, and so if you just search uh, Lindy West on Facebook, you should be able to find me. Well, thank you so much, Lindy. I appreciate it so much. No, thank you so much. This was great. All right, bye bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play it. Our next guest is an author, yoga instructor, and body positivity advocate. Her blog and Instagram, My Name is Jessamine, breaks down the stereotypes of the yoga body, encouraging women of all shapes and sizes to practice out of self-love, and very openly discusses sexuality, body image, and the inequality and judgment that follows being a fat yoga teacher. Her book, Everybody Yoga, is out today. Welcome, Jessamine Stanley. Hi, hey, girl. How are you? Having me. I'm doing really, really well. I'm weirded out by the fact that the book release is actually here. So I'm like, oh, my God. Congratulations. Thing. Thank you very much. Very much. You've been, yeah. um, where are you calling from right now? I know you've been traveling right like crazy to promote it. Yeah, I'm actually at home right now. This is, and I've only been here for like two days, but I'm soaking it up as a week long experience at least. But right, right. I have been in transit. I just got back from Seattle where it was significantly less, uh, you know, warm and springy than it is here. So yeah. I was happy to get home and feel the sunshine for once and not the rain. Yeah, definitely. Um, my sister lives in Seattle, and actually, Lindy, who we just talked to, Lindy West, lives out there. I was just about to say, how weird that you're just talking to Lindy too. I know. I wish I had thought to tell her like we were talking to you next and like be like, Lindy, what should we ask her? <laughs> but we have plenty of our own questions. Um, so, Jessamine, you've built this. We've worked with you before at Cosmo. Your videos are up on the site. You've built this huge viral following by doing what you're so good at, which is yoga. Um, and you know being one of the people in this space who basically isn't like a size two lululemon wearing little sort of traditional i guess what people would traditionally think of as um the yoga poster girl so can you talk to us a little bit about you know your your how you got into yoga why it's been so important for you to share your journey and um sort of how you went from posting on an instagram account with no followers to being a huge viral star yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the the true like reason for the success is because there was no pursuit of this goal. Like I even even when I first started posting my yoga photos on social media, I had no intention of growing it into anything larger and that even as things have evolved, I've still like at every turn been like, I'm not trying to do this. I'm not trying to do this and the universe has just pushed me into those spaces and I feel like it's really a case of just if it's meant to be then it will be because I did not and I didn't think like oh there should be a body positive like the yoga movement needs to grow more in this particular way it was really just I'm practicing yoga at home in my underwear and I want to show what this looks like for myself so that I can log my progress over time so that I can interact with other yoga practitioners because when you practice at home it's very easy to 
you know, not you don't have a teacher that's following you. You don't get the same feedback that you do in a classroom mm-hmm. environment. And I wanted to have that kind of connection with, uh, with my fellow yoga practitioners. And what I noticed over time was not that I didn't get a lot of responses about alignment tips. It was more people saying, oh, my God, I didn't know fat people could do yoga. Mm-hmm. And all I could think was, how did you not know that fat people could do yoga? Because there are so many fat people who do yoga. There's so many, every kind of person who does it. And and I just thought, you know, I think that what we have here is a visibility problem. And because I think that had I not noticed the visibility problem, I probably would have just stopped posting eventually. Like, it's not the whole act of putting photos on the internet is not really that interesting to me. Right. It's also incredibly time consuming. (laughs) It is. It is. And it's also like a very, um, you know, egotistical and narcissistic act. And as a practitioner, I find myself moving further and further away from that kind of energy. But the thing that is really amazing about the community online is that there have been so many people who have been spurred to start their own practices. And I think that that to me is kind of a beautiful triumph that that mm. grew out of something that I had no anticipation of doing and that even after I had even after there were people following me on social and I was getting press for it and all of this I still didn't intend to become a teacher and mm-hmm. I had I literally had to be convinced to do it and it's something that had things not worked out the way that they had I probably would never have become a yoga teacher but the world the world is crazy I guess is the, <laughs> the thing. and that excuse me and that if you're meant to do something then you will the universe has other plans for you yeah absolutely exactly. I mean I think exactly. it's you know I think it's interesting to hear you really put your finger on the fact that you know saying you sort of realized even if this wasn't what you set out to do that there was a visibility problem and that people didn't understand or didn't know or just didn't physically see fat women doing yoga and so I think it's sort of the ultimate um the ultimate sort of amazing outcome that not only did you build a following but as you said other people are sort of now being encouraged to post their own photos or to share their journeys because exactly yeah because it's one thing you know it's one thing for you to build the huge following that you have but to really see that sort of ripple effect of other people feeling brave enough to do that or even sort of hate the word brave because that's sort of loaded but just opening themselves up yeah yeah totally yeah totally um did you did you ever feel um it's so funny to hear you just talking about sort of all of this (laughs) happening accidentally did you ever within the yoga community experience fat shaming like whether that was online or in particular at at classes Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that um, in terms of it happening in classes, it's going to be very subtle to the point where the person who did or does it may, maybe didn't even realize that that's what is happening. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I have a, um, I have a hard time really calling hard and fast shots about fat shaming in classes because so much of it is nonverbal and so much of it is based on perception. So mm-hmm. that if I if I perceive that I'm being discriminated, then I, then that's what's happening, regardless of whether or not that's what's actually happening. Right. And, and especially as a larger body practitioner, you're prone to victimizing. And I think that um, I I'm more so than anyone else. And it's a very important thing to kind of check. But at the same time, you know, there you can tell when someone is staring at you and you can tell when the Mm -hmm. teacher is you know paying more attention to you than to other people and and I also don't even know if that necessarily is related 
Well, it is related to being larger bodied, but it's definitely an experience that happens for people who are not larger bodied too, to feel like, you know, I, I don't belong here, the, mm-hmm. everyone's staring at me, all of that. It's it's not just for fat bodied people, but I have absolutely felt that sensation in classes. And I mean, the internet is a, it's a shooting range. Like right. people, if, if you've had a bad day, then you will find someone on the internet that you don't approve of and then get all up in their mentions. And so I have right. all kinds of people who from ranging from people who know nothing about yoga to people who think that they know everything about yoga who are extraordinarily critical of my practice both personal and teaching and I just kind of feel like it's very sad to spend your life uh, you know in such a place of self-hate and negativity that you feel compelled to write mean things about someone yeah. and so I don't put any stock or thought into things like that and I feel like um, you know it's just especially if the person is claiming to be a yoga practitioner and then they have something mean to say right. it's like you obviously have a very short-sighted understanding of what the practice is and, and I hope that as time goes on for you that it, you really can't go come to it with anything other than compassion and and I find myself more often than not just defaulting to compassion because you know I feel great I don't even have time to read the comments that yeah. people write about me and so it's kind of like you know you spent, you spent like many many minutes maybe hours writing these things and it's just like I didn't even take the time to read it like right. what does that say about the comparison of things so right. you know, I think, yeah. yeah yeah and it's just kind of you know I, I was bullied a lot as a child and it gave me an understanding of the fact that anytime that someone says anything mean about you they're just reflecting what's going on in their own lives and I think that it's very important for me to keep that in perspective so that it doesn't continue to uh, to filter into the way that I see myself. And and I think one thing that, you know, I think, I think that's great advice and you just have to let it roll off. And actually, like, you know way more about this than I do, obviously, because I am, like, yeah, terrible totally. at yoga yeah. and, like, a very... <laughs> but, like, I love to do it. Everyone and, like, always says that. Uh, I mean, you're great. Because um, <laughs> you don't want to, like, unroll your mat. Like, I own this. Yeah. And you're just going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I love I love yoga. I love to practice it, even though, like, I'm really bad. But, um, and I actually feel like... I think this is actually probably not uncommon, but I feel like the more I practice, like the worse I get, because like as a beginner, you can kind of like slime your way through the classes. And then like the more, you know, the more you realize you're actually, anyway, just like you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, isn't, and isn't that a life lesson too, that yeah. as we go through this life that you think that you're learning so much and then you get to like Saturn returns and you're like, I don't know anything, nothing <laughs> true, nothing in this life is real. Oh my God. Yes. I know nothing. Yeah. But I was just going to say in terms of you know what you were saying about having to be you know having having to have a thick skin on the internet and like I feel like that has been something that has been so important to me about my own super amateur yoga practice is really the sort of mental aspect of being able to sort of find peace wherever you are and so like sometimes I think about this thing (laughs) you know like about the breathing exercises like sometimes when I'm really stressed out or whatever whatever it is I just like think about that like yoga vibes of sort of being like I'm breathing in I'm breathing out I'm breathing in I'm breathing out and so I don't know I think there's sort of um a relationship between what you're I mean there's definitely a relationship between what you're practicing and the way that 
you know you sort of have to deal with the haters in your own life anyway i'm babbling on yeah. that wasn't even a question but no, i do no, no. Well, I, I have i have lots to say about it if oh, you yeah. don't mind. I know that's go ahead question. jump right in well, better you than me uh, maybe not lots but i think that um, well first of all the notion of not being good at yoga is something that i hear constantly like there's those people who are like i mean literally exactly what you just said this you know, I've been doing it for a while, and I'm not that good at it, and it's an amateur practice, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just so sad, because truly, we are all beginners, Come, mm. always a beginner, always a beginner. Even whenever you've been practicing for years, decades, however long, it doesn't matter, you are still a beginner. And it's because the, your body and your mind are different every single day, and that you always have to approach it from this perspective of, it doesn't matter what I did yesterday, it doesn't matter what I'm going to do tomorrow, all that matters is... It doesn't even matter what could happen later today mm. or what happened earlier today. It just matters what's happening in this moment. And that lesson is so profound because we spend so much of our time trying to know the most and be the best and always being number one. And, and we spend so much of our lives in competition with other human beings that it's very difficult to comprehend that in this one instance this is not the time for competition. Mm. This is the time for just, and what you were saying about the breath as well, that the breath is the singular focus of the practice. Like that's, that's the only reason that you even work on these more advanced postures is to see how you're able to maintain your breath through the, through the posture that even if you were not physically moving and you were just breathing, that that is still yoga and is in many ways the more important yoga. And it's just, I feel like, um, inadvertently that is probably my biggest goal is to just get down to brass tacks mm. about what actually makes this practice worthwhile because it shouldn't have to be like unless you're practicing one-handed handstands right like you know that that's the mark for whether right. or not you're good at yoga right although of course i do want to be able to do that too you know you want to be able to brag on your instagram my little like beginner level poses don't look as cool <laughs> gotta like nail those headstands but <laughs> i totally feel that because when i first started posting photos i would not post certain things i would be like you know i'm not that good in this one posture so i'm not going to post that picture or right. i'd be like um you know like i know that i'm good at this pose so it's okay to to post this pose and and after a while it's just like you know your knowledge of each of these asanas just growing over time and and there are postures that look really basic that are so complex and so complicated great example of this in my opinion is warrior two pose is so ubiquitous like you mm. can see that pose anywhere and if you see a photo of it you're just thinking anyone could do that you know like a, you're like oh, whatever and right. even if you see a, a photo of yourself doing it and you're like yes i'm badass i'm doing warrior two yeah. you still may be thinking like oh but i mean it's just a basic pose you know it's not anything it's, it's not that hard right. and the reality is that that pose to really practice it in all the different like to get hit all the alignment points that pose is hard as fuck and yeah. actually to hold it for like multiple minutes mm -hmm. is a lot and it's that is not conveyed by a photo and yeah. i think that, that is the kind of the downside of social media is that it only captures the moment it doesn't capture the whole process That's so i know that was point. a long answer to yeah. the non-question but, anyway. <laughs> but it was a brilliant answer and i want to ask you something sort of semi-related to this because i think one thing that is kind of interesting about what you do in particular is you know in terms of your convergence of your you know body positivity mission but also existing in the fitness space that's interesting to me because i feel like the fitness space on social media can also be uh how would you say this 
<laughs> it can be a really sure. negative space and i don't even mean negative in terms of the haters mm-hmm. but certainly like a lot of people obsess mm-hmm. over their fitness routines oh yeah um sort of oh, yeah. obsess over looking at you know the sort of i don't even want to say thinspo because the social networks have done a good mm-hmm. job of sort of making that harder to find but this sort of line oh, between yeah, yeah. Fitzbo, this mm-hmm. sort of line between like fitness and body obsession. And you have an interesting point of view because you have sort of a, a foot in both spaces. Um, yeah, so yeah. how do you sort of walk that line between, I mean, you're so encouraging and everything that you post, I think mm-hmm. it would be hard for anyone to mm-hmm. misconstrue, but are you thoughtful mm-hmm. about that? Like, do you think about, you know, how to phrase your message so that you're keeping it positive mm-hmm. and not sort of, I don't know, encouraging like a hyper obsession with, exercise or with you know you know all of those things about yeah yeah I mean it's it's definitely it's both conscious and not conscious because I only talk about certain themes like it seems like I talk about a lot but I'm it's very very carefully curated topics Mm -hmm. like there there's some things I just don't even I don't go into them because I don't feel like engaging with a larger audience about those particular topics not because i don't want to expand the dialogue but just because i don't feel like it's within my mental and emotional capacity to do so but within the topics that i do uh, discuss i think that i probably think about it a little bit less than some people do because i want to be as honest as possible Mm. and i think it's really hard to be honest and authentic and be carefully curating everything right be overthinking that being yeah so like i'm not i don't go out of my way to be intentionally positive because primarily because i don't think that yoga is meant to be intentionally positive and i think that it's it's meant to just be about again honesty and authenticity Mm -hmm. and truth and excuse me what it tends to come down to for me in terms of like keeping things like the way to maintain or the the way to stay away from the negativity that can come with the fitness world is to not consider what you're doing to be a part of the fitness world so Mm -hmm. i wouldn't really say that my teaching practice or my personal practice is really that closely related to the fitness world the fitness world is on some other shit it's definitely like (laughs) and I, i think there are like pros and cons there are some people who are within the firmly within the fitness spectrum that i love and whose advice i would absolutely recommend to other people but i think the overall overall the fitness world is overwhelmingly body negative it's Mm. all about changing your body to fit somebody else's standards it's not about self-reflection it's not about looking within yourself and yoga while it gets yoked with the fitness world because of the asana practice it's really not a fitness practice it's a life practice and Mm -hmm. i think that staying within that circuit is what allows me to stay in a something that is presumed like presumptively happy overall because or more positive overall because it's always going to be about looking within yourself for the answers as opposed to looking to other people for the answers and that is the whole basis of the fitness industry is that you don't know what's good for you someone else knows what's Mm. good for you you should do what they do to be acceptable to them like that's that's I think another thing about yoga is that um, it's intentionally called a practice. It's not a performance. And I think that often in the fitness world, um, you know, your actions are so results oriented and it's all about that after photo, whereas yoga is about the journey and getting there. And I think it comes through certainly in your posts. 
Well, and I think that's kind of the problem with um, the yoga photography, though, which is something that I have been way more selective about within the last couple of years. And I have so much footage of my personal practice that does not go on social media that I just don't feel compelled to post because I think that it's like what we were talking about before with the individual poses and how like some poses seem really hard and complex and that that is that when you show that to someone and it's like wow look how amazing yoga is but you're not actually showing the yoga of it you're you're just documenting in the same way that that is documented within the fitness world and there has to be a differentiation between these two worlds because otherwise the yoga world is going to get eaten by the fitness world and mm-hmm. it's just going to be all body negativity and all nonsense well i think on a sort of just like anecdotal human level in some ways i think that's like already happening like you know i feel mm-hmm. like you know as i'm continuing my yoga practice you know and i'm even talking to people about it whatever whatever like want to go to a class sometimes and a lot of this like oh i don't i don't like the classes where they do the breathing stuff i like the classes that are a workout you know and i think that that well i think that's you know even a lot of not mentioning any names but you know even a lot of like fitness yoga studios that have sort of popped up where it's like the whole idea is that it's like really supposed spiritual stuff yeah like that it's really supposed to be this like power like butt like hot butt yoga workout or whatever (laughs) which like you know yeah like not that there can't be room for everybody but um i think it just makes what you're doing even more important it's funny because i have enjoyed so many of these classes where it's like yeah you know we're not there's no spirituality at all there's no inner sight it's about the sweat and there is a still the thing about yoga is that you can continue to do this shit and think that you're not getting into the spiritual aspects of it but you are always getting into it (laughs) even though like the movements are just especially like the more popular movements that you see in typically these classes that we're talking about are like vinyasa style classes Mm -hmm. that when you see these classes it's really just calisthenics ultimately but the connection with the breath and the calisthenics that's the yoga so that whenever you're having these like massive realizations about yourself or when you feel like this is just so good you know it's specifically yoga too it's not just the exercise it's specifically going to the class then that is the spirituality working on you and I think that one of the reasons and I'm sure that y'all see this constant or hear this constantly in new york like there's so many people who are like oh my god i love yoga but i just hate it when they're like talking about spirituality or when they're talking about breathing it's really boring i just (laughs) want to be in motion etc etc and i think it's because as a society we stray away from spirituality because it gets so deeply linked with religion Mm -hmm. and that many people have conflicting views about that that it's like you know whether whether you're religious whether you're not whatever and the reality of yoga is that it doesn't matter what you think there's the truth of the light within all of us and that's what the practice is speaking to and whenever people can actually get down to that then you get to a much meatier and more interesting place than just like oh i go to class because it makes me sweat because eventually you'll stop going to class because it makes you sweat like you'll or you'll start going to a different class or whatever it is and i just uh Right. I think it's really important for modern practitioners to make that distinction. Right. Sure. Sweating in and of itself isn't really that, like, um, like <laughs> exciting of a pursuit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think exactly. at the end of the day. There's so many ways of 
quit. Yeah. yeah, as long as you get to that my body is my temple mentality, I feel like you've won. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Totally. Totally. Well, Jessamine, before we have to let you go, and I could actually talk to you about this all day, and I'm also like, do I need to do a separate art or a separate episode of the podcast specifically about <laughs> yoga, which is kind of what this turned into. For yogis who hate yoga. For yogis who hate yoga. <laughs> but um, before we have to let you go, um, tell everyone where they can find the book, the best place for them to buy it, and like the most important need to know thing about it. Yeah, totally. So you can buy, you can find all the information on my website, jessamansfamily.com. All of the information about my tour dates is at jessamansfamily.com slash tour. You can buy the book basically anywhere from Amazon to Barnes & Noble to your local bookseller. I always recommend buying things local, especially if it's from uh, one of the bookstores that is hosting one of my uh one of my events and again that's all at jessamansfamily.com but you can find it literally everywhere at this point but you know so <laughs> that's so exciting yeah. well congratulations again and thank you so much for doing this we love working with you at cosmo and we'll have to think of something fun to do together again soon please it was such a pleasure and y'all stay in touch have a great day for sure you too, you too. bye jessamine I wanted to share with you my new favorite website for buying those random household items I used to find myself running out to get last minute. It's called Jet, and it's a shopping site that makes it easy to save money on the stuff you buy all the time. Here are the best parts about shopping with Jet. Prices drop as you shop. The more you add to your cart, the more you save. I'm obsessed with that because I always feel feel like if I'm spending a ton of money, I deserve a deal. I know you guys are with me. You get free shipping on orders over $35 and free returns within 30 days and two-day delivery on thousands of everyday essentials. There are no membership or annual fees, no like weird subscription-y things. You get all the benefits without paying an extra price. I love that I can literally order toilet paper, laundry detergent, and anything else my apartment needs all while lounging at home and know that it'll be at my door in no time. This is especially convenient if like me, you live with a roommate and you have to like share the price and all of these things. It makes it so easy to like pick out your cart together, order it all, split the cost. Plus by planning ahead and ordering everything I need at once, it actually saves me money, which is a total win-win. I'm gonna hook you guys up with a special deal. You can get $10 off your first three orders. Visit Jet.com and enter promo code COSMO at checkout. Give Jet a try today and make sure to use our special promo code COSMO. Don't forget, that's an extra $10 off your first three orders at Jet.com and enter promo code COSMO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Our next guest is a body positivity educator and the face behind an Instagram account that you probably follow. It's filled with pretty pastels and lots of self-love caption selfies. With over 728,000 followers, she very openly shares her journey recovering from anorexia to loving her body and celebrating others regardless of size and embracing all imperfections. Please welcome Megan from Body Posi Panda. Hi, Megan. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for calling in. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, which you've probably talked about this a million times, but where did Body Posi Panda come from? Oh, it basically came from me realizing a few years ago that I just couldn't, like, hate my body anymore. You know, I think so many of us are kind of at that point where we're like, I just can't do this. Like, I just can't keep starving myself and hating myself and... I kind of stumbled across body positivity on Instagram three years ago, and it changed everything for me. So I instantly realized that I had to share the word, and I had to 
tell as many people as I could about body positivity too. And where did the where did your actual handle come from? Where did you come up with the name? Oh, I just love pandas. I, I have nothing <laughs> clever behind that. <laughs> They're just adorable. That works. Um, so I want to actually ask you about the photo that you just posted earlier where you sort of um, were talking about this idea, shutting down the idea that promoting loving yourself is also promoting obesity. And I think that that is something that mm-hmm. continues to be a sort of um, challenge that the movement has to face. Can you talk about how you sort of shut that down when you say like, oh, it's dangerous for us to tell fat women to love themselves because what they should really be doing is not being obese. Like, how do you how do you shut that person down or shut down that line of thinking? Yeah, 100%. I mean, oh God, that's, that, it's such a complicated issue and there's so many aspects to it. But basically... Nobody is promoting a body type just by existing in it. Like, thin people don't get accused of promoting thinness whenever they post a picture of themselves on the internet, you know? And, you know, a a fat woman who posts a picture of herself on the internet isn't saying, hey, everyone, be fat like me. Come on, let's all gain weight. Like, she's not promoting anyone else gaining weight. She's just saying, I'm here. I deserve to exist. I can be happy at this size and you can be happy at whatever size you are. You know, it's not about encouraging other people to be any kind of body size. It's saying that you are all good enough as you are. So, you know, promoting obesity is generally just something that people use to shut down body positivity when they don't like someone loving themselves. That's all it is. And it's really transparent. You often post side-by-side photos of a posed and not posed photo, exposing the truth behind the photos. And we've written about a lot of these photos at Cosmo. Um, Our readers can't get enough of them. How did it feel the first time you posted a photo like this? And why was that so important to you? Oh, gosh. I was terrified the first time I posed just naturally because basically every single picture of myself I used to put online was so edited. I would make everything about me smaller, I would put 10 gazillion filters on it. And posting something that was actually raw and natural and, you know, exposed the things that our society tells us are flaws, that was terrifying to me, but in a good way, because I knew it was something that I had to overcome. And I think seeing these things, you know, things like belly rolls, things like cellulite that we've been taught all our lives are flaws, that's the way that we're going to realize that they are normal and they are natural and they can be celebrated as well. So I, every, time, every time I post it, it's kind of a victory over hiding myself away for so long and thinking that I had to be some airbrushed idea to be worthy. And it's, yeah, it's, it's me standing up against that. One thing that I would imagine has been challenging as you have grown to become the viral sensation that you are is that you have this huge fan base and all of a sudden, you know, even though you set out to sort of say, I want to share how important this community has been with even more people, you know, there's a responsibility to having that many followers. And I would imagine that one of the things that is challenging for you is the same challenge that a lot of celebrities have which is like it's hard for you to really have an off day you know your account is very positive um and even though Mm -hmm. I think you're also very honest with your followers about you know we all have days when we struggle we all have times when it's hard 
you know, does that get challenging to sort of be at this point where like you can't really like you can't take a break from being a body positive cheerleader because so many people depend on you to do that all the time? Uh, I think sometimes it can feel a teeny bit overwhelming because like I wasn't I was never ever expecting it to get to what it has. You know, I started posting these things when I had like two hundred followers. Right. And I didn't I didn't think it was gonna turn into a thing. Um, but it did. And, you know, I, yeah, as you said, like, I try to be honest. I, I talk about anxiety sometimes. I talk about pressure. And, you know, with body positivity, it's so important as well to let people know that it's okay to have bad days. Like, you are trying to unlearn a lifetime of negative conditioning about your body. So you're not going to be, like, uh, feeling like the hottest person in the entire world every single day because it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do try to be honest with people and I definitely have off days, definitely. Um, we were talking before we jumped on the phone with you, um, also on this episode with Lindy West, who has talked a lot um, about being a fat woman and how she sees what she is doing. Her position in the body positive community is really being you know, about human rights. And then we also just talked to Jessamine Stanley, um, who has been famous for her um, viral yoga photos and has now become a yoga teacher and is really like practicing what she preaches. And I think one thing that was interesting about all of these conversations together is how you guys are really people who are all at the forefront of a movement that affects people's mental and physical health so much that hasn't like, if you guys weren't leading this movement, I don't really know who else would be. You know, I think that the sort of, I think that you guys are for so many young women who are following you and reading your writing and consuming your pictures on Instagram, filling a niche that almost like a therapist or a doctor or, you know, and do you see yourself sort of like through that lens? And I guess what kind of, in some ways, I hope that this is the beginning and a first step towards sort of like larger societal changes. And I guess what would you like to see happen? Like, what would you like to see? Where would you like to see the body positivity space in another five years or in another 10 years? Well, I I always joke with people and say, you know, the goal is body positive world takeover just everywhere but you know I'm kind of not joking because (laughs) that is absolutely the goal I think body positivity will have done its job when we don't need it anymore because it's just the norm like it's it's not even a special thing to feel good about yourself you know just people just naturally feel good about themselves I would personally really like to destroy the diet industry Mm. but I'm not (laughs) sure how realistic that is so you know just like take it down a peg or two i'd be i'd be okay with <laughs> and yeah just just make diversity the norm you know so it's not a big deal when someone shows some belly rolls or you know when when a campaign has a diverse range of models so it's just normal um and yeah i'm i'm really really honored to to be to be part of that and i love the t- oh, I can't believe I love her so much. Um, Sorry, yeah. you cut off just yeah. for a second there. You, you were saying about Jessamine. Is that what you said? You cut out just for a second. Oh, yeah. I just freaking love her so much. I can't oh, yeah. wait to read her new book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, which just came out. She's amazing. Um, and the finally, the last thing that I wanted to have um, you s- sort of talk about is that 
I think with any kind of community, all of the terminology around it can be really loaded. And I think the word fat in particular is a word that you know, for so long has had a negative connotation and is now being reclaimed by the industry. There's also been a lot of talk over the past several years about the term plus size. Can you just talk a little bit about terminology and what is important to you and sort of what you try to, um, you know, the, the sort of discussion around it within your community? Mm-hmm. Well, most of the body positive advocates I know have reclaimed the word fat. And, you know, that was a really crucial first point in their journey is to take this word that's always been used against them, that's always been used to tear them down and say, you know what, I'm taking this back. It's mine now. You cannot hurt me with it anymore. Uh, and that's, that's such an important step. And it really is. It's just a descriptor. You know, some people are brunette, some people are tall, some people are fat, some people are thin. And we shouldn't be afraid to say that and reclaim that. Um, I had, I, I did, I did an interview over a year ago, and the interviewer said, "Now let's get serious because some people are probably offended that you call yourself chubby." And I was just, you know, why, why would other people be offended? You know, I've, I've taken that back. I am chubby. I'm soft. I like that about myself. Mm. And if I call myself that, you know, no one's going to come along and hurt me with it. Mm. No troll is going to come along and call me fat and me be offended. It, that's honestly, it, it's not an insult anymore. Do you, so think, it, do you think that that think, was you know, because, sorry, just to jump in, um, do you think that they were upset about mm-hmm. you using the word chubby because... Um, you're not, like, large enough. I mean, I think that there is obviously a great range in body diversity in the body positivity movement, and you are a very, very loud voice therein. Um, Do you ever Mm -hmm. get any feedback for not being, like, big enough? There's definitely tension at the moment within the body positive community about a lot of the space being represented by smaller bodies and generally thin, white, cisgender female bodies Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's it is really really important I think for people to acknowledge their privilege and to elevate the voices that this movement was actually created for because you know it was created for the most marginalized bodies for by fat queer women of color created this movement and they shouldn't be pushed out of it Mm -hmm. so yeah I I mean I do get I do get some criticism for being a big voice with a smaller body, but I try my best to be educated on the issues and Mm -hmm. to recognize my privilege and to keep raising up those other voices as well. Mm -hmm. And I think your feed really, I mean, your feed really feels like such a community. Like you are on there, of course, all the time, but you also are constantly featuring other women and talking about your role models and girls that you love in the community. Um, And I think that's, you know, you're certainly, it's clear from looking at your feed aware of the platform that you have to sort of you know put a, a spotlight on other women and i talked to other yeah, women I, try the, to. I was just gonna say i talk to women in the body positive community all the time and they invariably mention you and you inspire so many women from so many walks of life i think like on every continent <laughs> so they're definitely resonating with your oh, message that's so cute Plus, it's just so fun. It's so fun to say body posi panda. It just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Even if there was no thought behind choosing that, I feel like you really nailed it with your handle. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. Actually, when I was creating it, I I was kind of um, 
putting names back and forth with one of my friends and I was like what do you think of body posi panda and she was like no everyone <laughs> does the body posi thing like you really shouldn't do that <laughs> she's <laughs> like it will never that. take off yeah exactly exactly <laughs> it was great to ignore well Megan thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us all the way um, from the UK where it's way later there now than it is here um, we've shouted out your handle a million times but there is there anything else that any other place that people should follow you besides Instagram or learn more about all the amazing work that you're doing? Uh, just come over to Instagram. Like, <laughs> that's the only one that I really do properly. It's the most important one. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Megan. <laughs> thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Liz, I feel full in my heart. This has been an amazing episode of the podcast. We talked to three amazing, amazing, amazing women today. What did you learn on today's episode of Cosmo politan.com happy hour what did you take away from today um i think that the the biggest takeaway for me is that uh one of the biggest issues in the body positivity movement is um it's really just putting yourself out there i mean all of these women in their own ways um you know launched their journeys for personal reasons um and found an audience and a community that made them feel even more empowered so personally i'm moved to get out there and then just advocate um, by giving myself a little bit of a break personally. <laughs> and I think that everyone else should as well. I think it's actually interesting um, how all three of the women that we spoke with today who are doing such amazing things in the space really actually came to it from very different points of view. Like Lindy West, and she actually talks a little more about this in her book. It was almost like because of her job, and she alluded to this briefly, this, you know, her boss at the time, Dan Savage, basically writing these almost like fat, shamey things and she felt like as a public figure as a writer at the outlet she was working at that she had to respond to that so she was almost like dragged into this for career reasons jessamine i think mentioned about five times that she absolutely did not want to enter this space but she was tapping the brakes (laughs) exactly and the universe kind of made her um and then to hear megan who has become I think one of the names that we hear thrown around in this space so often, Body Posse Pandy, Panda, to hear her talking about, I discovered this space and went out there saying, like, I want to do this too. Exactly. And I think another resounding theme among all three women is that um, they're still they're still working. You know, they have good days, they have bad days. And, you know, just because their voices are out there and getting louder doesn't mean that anything's fixed. Um, and, you know... I think another interesting point is that as much as this conversation is in ways political, um, you don't need an elected, uh, you don't need to have an elected position to really like speak out. You can just get up on your own soap, soapbox, which is your own social media accounts and so forth, and make your voice heard. And that's that's one step in the right direction. You don't have to be at that destination and feel 100% great about yourself every single day to be a vocal voice and, and take this movement forward. I'm actually so glad you mentioned that here in the final moments of that happy hour podcast about this idea of voice, because I have to say with all the women that we talk to, you know, in some ways we're talking to them about their size and what it's like to be that size. But I think their voices in this community are so important. And I'm wishing we had talked to them all more about that you know lindy is effing hilarious and brings such humor to this conversation you know um 
Megan is sort of this like endless cheerleader and talked very openly about how important she feels it is for her to also use her megaphone to help other people in the community. And then Jessamine is just like, I want to take her yoga class. I feel like she's like <laughs> dropping the truth bomb. She's so zen in real life. She's so zen. She has this really, okay, you've met her in real life. I haven't. <laughs> but even over the phone, I could tell she was zen. And I think her sort of bringing this really... um I liked what she said about spirituality being something that a lot of people are afraid of, but really bringing this almost like spiritual level to the conversation. Right. Um, so the amazing ways that these women are sort of talking about these causes definitely is is important. Um, well, Liz, I've already talked a million times about everything you do on the site, but where should people follow you? Tweet at you, Insta at you? Um, yeah, all the things. Slide into your DMs. <laughs> yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at E-J-N-A-R-I-N-S and the same handle on Instagram. And please, everyone, check out all the great work that Liz does every day in Cosmopolitan.com. And as always, you can follow me at Elisa Benson on Twitter and Insta and Snapchat and all the places. And thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast, especially today when I like weirdly fangirled out over meeting so many of these women that have been idols to me. Um, if there is a topic you want to see us talk about next week on the podcast, hit me up. Let me know. And as always, share it and subscribe and like it and leave comments and do all those podcasty things. And I will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.